Welcome to Shellheads. Hello. Welcome to the first Shellheads podcast of 2020. Is it? No, it's the first one we've recorded in 2020. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, I'm your host, Sergio. I'm here with Jeff, your other host. I'm, I'm still not Sergio, Sergio. No, no, I'm still, I'm Jeff, Jeff. I'm Italian, Sergio. Yeah. Yeah. He comes with sausage. It's, it's spaghetti. Is sausage not Italian? Yeah. Yeah, Italian sausage. Okay, yeah. You're you're a, yeah. you're an Italian sausage. I'm a meaty brat. <laughs> Tough and grisly on the outside, <laughs> and just as angry. That sounds about right. <laughs> well, it's 2020, everybody. Uh, we had a great first year of uh, Shellheads. But this time around, we have all kinds of new stuff planned for this year. A lot of it uh, is from series that we've already talked about before, but we're also going to talk about a lot of new stuff uh, that we've never watched. So, yay! Huzzah! We're getting closer and closer to an episode that I cannot wait to record, and that is the very first Michael Bay movie. Oh. Michael Bay produced or can, Platinum Dunes film. I can wait. I cannot wait. Because <laughs> uh, we're getting pizza that night, and we're going to watch it. Oh, yes. We're going to watch it. Yeah. yeah I'm, I might buy some rum. Like, it's going to be a night. <laughs> <laughs> I might take a hit of that <laughs> just to get through it. But before we can actually watch that, we have to go through all the movies chronologically. We've talked about the first movie. We've talked about the second movie. We talked about the third movie. We even took a pit stop and talked about the Batman Ninja Turtles movie. That was... This time around, we're talking about TMNT. Or Turtles 4. Turtles 4. This is a movie that's really a kind of an oddball anomaly in the grand scheme of Ninja Turtle stuff. Uh, because it it, it it was the only movie of its generation. Okay? Uh, if we're going by our previously established Phase 1, Phase 2, Phase 3, mm-hmm. it was the only film of Phase 2. Yeah. If you don't count Turtles Forever. Watching it, it at the time, when it came out, what, what, what year was it? 07? 07, that is correct. Two years before the buyout, so Peter Laird is knee-deep in Ninja Turtles everything. Uh, 2K3 is kind of winding down, uh, and... I personally am at the, at like, my excitement for Ninja Turtles is at a fever pitch. <clears throat> Where are you at this time when it comes to the Turtles? I was watching the episodes here and there of 2K3 on TV and, um, you know, bought all the games, you know, that came out. Um, was really, really getting back into it. Only got a couple of the figures, didn't really go mm-hmm. too crazy. Um,. And the movie comes out, and then I was like, oh, my God, this is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was I was at the movie opening night. Yeah. Got to see it and just <laughs> loved the crap out of it. Um, uh, yeah, and at the time, it was, it was, it was something that fans needed. Mm-hmm. You know, it was proof that the Turtles could still be good and successful on the big screen at a larger scale. You know, a, a Saturday morning TV show is for lack of a better way to put it, just a Saturday morning television show. Mm-hmm. There's a reason you don't see like a Ben 10 movie. Paramount isn't f- fronting the money for a 
Ben 10 movie. Yeah. A live action reboot of Ben 10. That's like there's a ceiling when it comes to Ben 10. Mm-hmm. And this was proving that the Ninja Turtles ceiling was higher than what mainstream audiences thought they were at the time. Yeah, I can agree with that. As for the like just as for the hype, like I I could couldn't I've never been hyper for a hyper Hypier, more hyped, more hyped yeah. for a Ninja Turtle movie than I did for this one. Yeah, my hat was equally probably on par with yours. It's like fourteen years in between, I think. <sighs> something like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, ten years? No. Yeah, fourteen. It was ninety three. You're right. Fourteen years. That's crazy. It's insane. <clears throat> so the premise of the movie, if we're going to go ahead and jump right in, is that I think it's purposely vague. Because on paper, the pitch is that it's a continuation of the film universe. Mm-hmm. However, they go out of their way to not really reference anything specifically mm-hmm. outside of that one scene where Splinter has the whole shelf of helmets. Yeah. You know, other than that, they're not like, hey, remember in movie two when this. Yeah. Or, hey, remember when we went back in time? Like, they don't talk about that stuff. It's just kind of assumed that you already know the story. Yeah. They we give get, you, We get a little bit of a, in the beginning. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there's a real quick, hey, if you didn't know who the turtles are, here they, here they are. Here's a, a one shot of the shredder. He's not going to be here, but. I was like, man, he looks dope. That's true. And oh, they made an action figure. Yeah. They made an action figure based on a single, like, drawing of the shredder. So this movie opens, and it's established very quickly that the turtles are separated, or they're kind of living, you know, separate lives. Leonardo is on this like vision quest to to travel the you know the, the travel the world and become a ninja, uh, or a better ninja, a better ninja. Uh, Raphael has has a night job being the night watcher, mm-hmm. aka Turtle Batman. Turtle Batman. Bat or Bat Turtle. Yeah, which we'll come back to the whole Batman aspect of that a, a, a bit later. Yeah. Uh, Michelangelo is... The party guy. Cowabunga Carl. Yeah. <laughs> who is who, who works as like a party, like a big foam-headed turtle for Just parties. Gets the crap beat out of him. By children. And it's... But it's your typical mascot fair. Exactly. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's a mascot. And it... Works really well. It does. I really, really like that. And that van looks like a old school uh, turtle van. A little bit. Or April's uh, old van a little bit. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. Um, Donatello, he's working tech support. Yeah. <laughs> like a turtle do. Like, yes. <laughs> tech support Donnie. Yeah. He's putting his uh, his skills to good use, I guess. Yeah. Well, when you work, when you work from home, Sergio... The benefits of working from home are infinite. You yes. can be a turtle. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So I, I like where they put the turtles. Yeah. Just start of the movie. It's like, hey, we're setting the stage in the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like in the first 10 minutes, you understand exactly where the turtles are and the lives they are living. I like seeing the job aspect because like how do turtles get money? What do they do? This is kind of the first time that's ever been addressed. Yeah. Because the turtles are homeless men. Homeless dudes. Pretty much. Yeah. So I guess it's nice seeing them actually earn their keep for once. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because you don't really get that kind of stuff in, uh, you know, 
other types of media. You just have to kind of go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even before they set up this turtles uh, backstories, the, they, the, the opening of the film introduces the, ent- the, the like the entire backstory for the plot. Yeah. And that is that there is this one warrior dude who was looking for the secret of immortality. He opens this thing using a disc thingy and it opened a realm to another dimension. 13 monsters come uh, busting out of it. And those monsters grant him immortality. It turns his army to stone, which I, I understand why they did that for plot reasons. It doesn't really make sense for curse reasons, right? But it's a kid's movie, whatever. Um, and the 13 beasts or 13, you know, monsters roam the earth to this day. So that's cool. Yeah. You know, the, the, the guy who, who is immortal is still here. All the monsters that he freed are still here and cut to present day. Boom. Here are the turtles. So it's, it's like, the, this is what we're going to have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, we then find out a few, you know, scenes later. Obviously, that's Max Winters. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Thoughts on the Max Winters character? It's 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 freaking Patrick Stewart. It How is not love. <laughs> Patrick freaking Stewart, square jawed, hero looking. Patrick Stewart looks like uh, Mr. Incredible with hair. Where he always has hair, with, but with uh, dark hair. with dark hair. Yeah, yeah, and lots of money. <laughs> yes. Well, if if you're in, in centuries, if you're worth immortal, of money, yeah, you're gonna find at some point you're gonna flip the right right switch and become rich, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Flip that rich, rich the rich switch. switch. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so he, we find out that that Max Winters hired April to find ancient artifacts for him. April Croft. April. That's that's exactly that's what yeah. she is. She is April Croft, uh, and April tracks down all four of the statues of his generals that were turned into stone uh, when he became immortal, mm-hmm. and. Max Winters repeatedly refers to the statues as his family, mm-hmm. which turns out, of course, to be a central theme of the movie is family. Yeah. My family. Is that a good Patrick Stewart? Uh, it's my family. 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 I, I can't do it. It's family. Family. That sounded more like Sean Connery. <laughs> we also find out that April and Casey are living together. Mm-hmm. In a kid's movie. Kind of. Well, they're kind of. They're adults. Yeah, like they're a kid. Like they're adults. You don't see them in the bed, but yeah, you know, it's it's, it's like, not like he's asleep on her couch. Yeah, like yeah. It, if anything, he could just be crashing on her couch. We don't know. Yeah. Like they don't go into real details about their relationship, but it's obvious they're a thing. Yeah, you know, uh, which was it never happened in the movies per se, but it was always hinted at. There was a kiss. Yeah, but. It's good to finally see that come to fruition. It really is. And if you if you take this movie at just the core of it, this technically could it almost feels like it could have been the second film. Could be. Could be. Because I think about it like, you know, Leo being gone and him, you know, taking the weight of him almost losing his brothers, thinking it was his fault. And he's like, I gotta mm. go train. Yeah. And he leaves. And I was like, I didn't think about that until the day. I was like, Oh, it oh, could be, oh, dude, that would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as, as comfortable as erasing secretly use would make me. Oh, 
still do love that film. I don't care what you say. Secret of the is too important to the origin for that really to work. Yeah. You know. But that's an interesting way to look at it, though. I like it. So, <laughs> Raphael as the Night Watcher. The Night Watcher? Yeah, that's, 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 yeah. that's what they called him. He wore armor over his entire body and rode a motorcycle through town, and he was and he's fighting bad guys and stopping crimes and just basically being Batman. No, that is a real dumb idea that works so well. It really does. The execution on it was absolutely perfect mm-hmm. because when I first saw it, I was like, I don't want to like this. I don't want to like this. Yeah, but I loved it. I ended up buying the figure. He's yeah. he's up in the, in the yeah, cabinet up there. Yeah, like. It's so dumb and it works so well. Yeah. We've got a fantastic voice cast. Let's roll through that actually. For this. Um, so Leo, we'll start off with Leo as James Arnold Taylor, or as you know him, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi from the Clone Wars. Okay. Um, both Clone Wars series actually. Okay. Um, we've got freaking Deadpool himself, Nolan North, as Raphael <laughs> doing a bang up job. Uh huh. Uh, this is a very New York accent yeah. that Raphael's supporting. Yeah, I like it. Very good. Very rough and tumble. Um, we got Mikey Kelly playing Mikey, which is very apt. Um, <laughs> we have Mitchell Whitfield, um, who was one of the guys in um, My Cousin Vinny. The other guy that was not Ralph Macchio. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So I he, got was, you. he was Donnie. Uh, and we have freaking Chris at Captain America Evans. As Casey, <laughs> which unless you told me that was Chris Evans, yeah, there's no way I, I there's no way I would have picked that out of a lineup. He he, his voice is kind of subtle in this, except in a couple of different uh, in, in a couple of scenes. Yeah, you can pick up on it being him. Yeah, and and I would also say that his voice has changed since then. It has, or at least the the voice that he has been portraying Captain America with, yeah, has is very different from from the Casey Jones. Uh, and of course, you know Patrick Stewart. We talked about earlier. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller as April. Yep. Yep. Uh, Mako of Samurai Jack. Yep. He played Aku. Yep. Uh, also the like, magician dude in the Conan the Barbarian films. Oh, okay. Um, this was like his last role, right? It was. So it wasn't. It wasn't just Mako. It was also his understudy, uh, Greg Baldwin, who t- um, oh. who helped fill in. So you can tell. Like just from from me watching Samurai Jack the final season because mm-hmm. Mako had left us so long ago that I'm, I can I can tell the difference um, in between when he recorded and, and um, when Greg did. But Greg Greg did a phenomenal job. Um, he's 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 fantastic. I know I'm going to say her name wrong, but Zhang Ziyi is Karai mm-hmm. uh, from. Uh, Leave Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That would that seems right. Yeah, that that would that would be consistent with the time that the movie came out. Yeah. So, um, so an actual Asian girl playing an Asian girl. Yeah, how unHollywood. Yeah. yeah, especially unHollywood of the 2007 Hollywood because back then everyone was white. Right. The movie was narrated by uh, Morpheus himself. I was going to go with Cowboy Curtis, just because. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> You know, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. I can never remember that guy's name. Yeah, he's just Morpheus. Yeah, it might be again in part four. We'll see. Yeah. Um, 
the right side to sleep again. I, <laughs> like I like I I love Lawrence Fish, Fish Fishburne's voice. Yeah. For some reason, every single time I've watched this movie, mm-hmm. I've wanted his voice to be British. I could see that. You know, I mean, I could, I could hear that. It's, yeah. it's kind of like when I hear James Earl Jones talk. Ooh. Like James Earl Jones is from Mississippi, but every time he talks, I'm like, "Whoa, come on, aren't you British? You're gonna be British, right?" Yeah. And then he's not British, and I'm like, "There's something wrong." Yeah. But I guess, I guess when someone has such a uh, booming, uh, authoritative, and commanding, commanding voice, just speaks, they speak with such uh, distinction. Yeah. Like, like Patrick, Patrick Stewart. You're expecting ex- a proper British. Yeah. Yeah. Guess, this yeah. ugly American stuff. Like, yeah. give me something proper. And that's not anti-American, folks. Just, <laughs> we're just saying. It's we just need- how the English language is built. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yes, we need it a little bit more proper, you see. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're American. We speak how we want to speak. I understand. It's, it's culture. But at the end of the day... When when I hear someone talk like even I jump into a British uh, welcome to Shellheads like I, I immediately jump into a British accent because that's proper yeah moving on yeah oh we, we've got a couple of stragglers here okay um, not stragglers we have some other ones we have um, Billy West as the uh, news anchor. Uh, AKA uh, Philip J. Fry from Futurama. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. We've got Jim Cummings of Darkwing Duck fame and um, also uh, on the uh, 87 cartoon, uh, the Turtles cartoon. Okay. As the uh, bald headed uh, thug. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. He sh- he pops up a couple of times. Uh, the the, the, uh, the cook slash. Uh, restaurant Kevin, owner guy yeah, is Kevin, Kevin Smith. Smith. Kevin yeah. Smith. And then who's in the who's in the diner next to him? When you go, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm not going to give that away just yet. There's okay. A, there's a little okay. cameo. Uh, and then we have Kevin Michael Richardson mm-hmm. as a uh, uh, General Aguila. General Aguila. That's right. Dude with a blade on his arm, which is you know, hey, that comes back around <laughs> later. Uh, yeah, yeah. The voice cast is a Hollywood voice cast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, ish. It's a hodgepodge of kind of relatively unknowns. And I think the turtles should always be kind of relatively unknown. The turtles should absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's why they kind of had you know some of the big dogs in other other mm-hmm. positions, which um, I think worked. It, it was a, it was a nice smattering of yes talent, which worked very well. Yeah, like in in the first five minutes of the movie, you have Lawrence Fishburne and. Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Like, yeah. you don't get more Hollywood than that. Yeah. You know? Um, so, so yeah, yeah. It, it's funny that you mention all these side characters' voices. Uh, one of the, one of my biggest, like, things about the movie that I really, really like is that all of the side characters have very distinct and bright personalities. Yeah. Like, in, in the opening scene with Leonardo and the, 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 the Costa Rican gangster. Which is Don, John DiMaggio. Yeah, John, like, that's a throwaway part that yeah. doesn't matter at all in the film. But he nailed it. But he nailed it. You know exactly who that character is. Yeah. And he gets his come, you know, his comeuppance. Pretty sure Leo killed those guys. Like, when he hoists one of them up <laughs> on the tree, you hear a <laughs> I was like, he stabbed that guy. Yeah. Yeah, and another yeah. dude fell. I'm like, he, oh, he dead. Mm-hmm. There ain't no. You don't see it. He ain't breathing kids, again. Kids movie doesn't matter. <laughs> Died off screen. Uh, like the Kevin Smith character again, throwaway character. Honestly, yeah. did not even have to exist. Yeah. There was no reason that that character had to be there. But 
Smith's performance was so lively and so just in the in in that character yeah. that it's it's nothing but happiness that comes from me oh, yeah. when I when I hear that when I hear hear him talk. Same thing with the first gang dudes that Raff beats up. Yeah, there's a whole comedy routine between two of them. Yeah, again, there's no need for it. Right, but it all it does is further color the movie to make it feel more lived in and more lively. Yeah. And that's what this movie needs. Comedy and fun and lightheartedness. Yeah. But there's also that uh, elements of uh, darker tone or not darker, but a bit more serious tone. Oh, absolutely. Um, which um, kind of, you know, harkens back to the comics, which uh, director Kevin Monroe wanted to kind of focus on. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Let's take a moment and just revel in how good the movie looks. Yeah. It, it's a, a, a mixture, from what I feel, is a little bit Pixar, a little, okay. little bit Jim Henson. Hmm. I'll give you the Pixar. I don't know about Jim Henson. Well, the, well, the Turtles especially. They kind of still have that mm-hmm. almost Muppet kind of look yeah. to them at times. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. My, like my, my, my main excitement about the the design of the turtles Mm -hmm. is that it's a perfect mixture between a cartoon and muscular monsters Mm -hmm. because a a lot of people like to draw the turtles as these big hulk looking things and they don't look like teenagers they just they just they just look like monsters uh basically leaning into the mutant aspect of it right this movie does a really good job of marrying the two Mm -hmm. they're five feet tall they're five feet tall but when you look at their structure, like they're cut, they're they've got yeah. you know they're built. Except they for, have muscular musculars muscles. Yeah, except for Raph. Like they're, the Raph is taller, so he's yeah. I think isn't Raph the oldest? No, Leonardo's no. the oldest. Yeah, okay, um, so they're distinct. You know, and the colors. I love how there's different greens, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. Um, yeah, but yeah. Their their structure. Yeah, you know their their builds are are different. Raph, of course, being the biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like it, 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 it says something that they could make the movie black and white and take away the the weapons, and you'd still be able to tell what turtle is what. Yeah, and that's not something that two K three did really well. Mm. Like if you made that show black and white and took away the weapons, it would be kind of tough, right, to tell them apart. Same thing with the original cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since this movie, the series has been very good about making the turtles more distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that this is the first time that was really a big thing outside of next mutation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So where do we leave off here? I've, we, we both have notes, so I want to make yeah. sure we cover all of our notes. Um, let's see. I have here. April is an anti- a- antiques dealer. We guess she works with a uh, Casey works with April. I don't know if it's still antiques. It feels more like it's like, rare artifacts you know she she does have that more maybe it's a little bit of both like high-end and kind of low-end stuff yeah. maybe but yeah it's more high-end stuff it's well it's funny that that we, we've been talking about this movie for 15 minutes or so and i haven't mentioned that there were prequel comics mm-hmm. and a lot of what we've mentioned right now mm-hmm. is answered in the prequel comics yeah like when you said that you think Leonardo killed those dudes, well, in the prequel comics, he does. He kills a bunch of dudes. 
and it's not even a secret. <laughs> There's blood all over his swords. The, like people are, you can see him stabbing through people's stomachs. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, man. In I got to find mine. <laughs> in in the April book, like she reopened second time around. Okay. And her thought was her and Casey would run the store. And then Max Winters reached out to to her and was like, can you help me find this stuff? And that created a rift between the two characters. Like, for the most part, those prequel comics do kind of flesh out the ideas of what the characters became prior to the movie. Right. They just aren't very well made. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're numbered. Raph is the first one. Basically, Raphael meets Batman. Mm-hmm. Is, he meets a dude... And the dude was uh, the Night Watcher, and he tells Raph he's going to train him or whatever. Then he dies. Raph takes Ooh. his costume and becomes the Night Watcher. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it seemed kind of thrown together, but that's one of the more coherent of the of the of the five. The Mikey book. Mikey's Mikey goes to like this hockey party where he's doing his. Kyle and Carl stuff for a birthday party that was happening at a hockey game. He ends up chasing after a purse snatcher and running onto the ice of the hockey game and almost gets arrested and then gets rescued by Donatello who they then separate so Mikey can do another party and then they meet back up and catch the purse snatcher and return the purse and that one's not good at all. That's crazy. That, that sounds so bonkers. The Donnie book. Donnie builds a machine to track mutants or non-human life forms, mm-hmm. right? The idea is he would be able to you know, track any kind of uh, life form. Like He can track the turtles wherever they are in the city, much yeah. like they did in uh, Next Mutation, because mm-hmm. they literally did that in Next Mutation. But what's odd is they name drop in s- several of these books – Things like Triceratons and mm-hmm. Utrams and otherworldly beings, as if these books are set in the comic book universe. Right. Which it's not, they're not supposed to be if they're prequels to the movie. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of, in, in that regard, they're kind of messy. They're kind of messy. But this machine that Donnie builds uh, tracks down one of the 13 monsters and they go to it and. Donatello tries to communicate with it and Mikey and Splinter show up and scare him off. And that was a nice way to foreshadow what's going to happen in the movie. That book is okay. Yeah. April. That is a lot like what I've said before. Second time around her and Casey run it. And then Max Winters comes and she has to go get one of the statues and a central American cartel wants the statue. Mm. And then some rogue government agent tries to steal it from her and it was exciting. Didn't really add much. Right. The last one, Leo. This one has the most detail in it, but tells like the, the least amount of story. It basically just goes through the different st- cities around the world that he went to get, went through to train mm. uh, before landing in Costa Rica or Central America. These books, at, by no means, are a requirement or required reading for the, for this movie. Mm. If you're a super fan of this movie, you should probably read them. Just you know, to understand the story that's being told from Kevin Monroe's standpoint, because these were based on basically the, the uh, production Bible Mm -hmm. for the movie. But obviously the Mirage, these were produced by Mirage and the Mirage artists put a lot of themselves into it. Mm -hmm. Like the, the last book was written by Stephen, Steve Murphy, Stephen Murphy. 
And we, you know, we learned long ago that Stephen Murphy is all about some conservation and humans are destroying the planet. And this book, the humans are called out as being the bad guys. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a very Stephen Murphy book or Steve Murphy. I don't know. Is it Steve? Is it Steve? I think it's Steve. It's Steve. Steve Murphy. Yeah. But yeah, like the Leo book has the Ninja Tribunal in it. Ooh. Yeah, so that's the 2K3 universe. So, so it, yeah. it's murky and weird. Hmm. And for some reason, none of the books have any shading in them. It's all just li- yeah, line that. drawings. That really weird. Yeah, they seemed rushed. They just, just across the board seem rushed. Yeah. So moving back to the movie, what's really important to this podcast. Yeah. So this is the uh, Kevin Monroe was a huge Karai fan. And he really okay. pushed hard to get her in this film. And what a treat that was. Like, okay. But. <laughs> and I think I've mentioned this. And I think I've, it might have been on one of the episodes of the cast or just in general. Uh-huh. Uh, when Max, was it Max Winter? I want to say Alex Winter. I was like, I think I've been watching nope, too much nope, Bill and that's, Ted that's stuff. Still Bill and Ted. Um, he's in his office. And, um, you know, it's like, if you're going to kill me, could you make it fast? And then she jumps down and then the line, I was like, this line, I hate this line. <laughs> this is my biggest beef. If we wanted you to be hurting, you would be hurting already. I'm like, that makes no sense. If we wanted to kill you, you would be dead already. And I'm like, that's the line. That's better. It's, it, it's that, that, that sounds like edits were made yeah. later because yeah, they're like, sorry, you've said kill too many times oh. for this to be a rated G movie or was it PG? I think it was G PG. PG. Yeah. That drove me nuts. It's possible. I yeah, you, you hate know. that line. Like my issue with Karai is that there's no reason for her to be there. There's no reason for the foot clan to even be in this. Oh movie. no, there is. They no, there's defeated not. shredder. So she has to come to America and figure out what the shell is going on. But that can be its own movie. Yeah, well, it could, like, that's kind of what I got from that. Well, but there's the only reason Karai so is in this in 2K, movie. It happened in 2K3 too. Oh, this isn't 2K3 though. No, it's not. <laughs> like that—that—that's the that you're you're talking about the story of Return to New York, not Return to New York, City at War. Like that's the City at War story. No. There's no reason for her to be in this movie. Like her, the three generals could have handled everything the Foot Clan was doing. Well, this is true. Like. It's, it's set decor. It's it it made for some fun fights, but other than that, there's no plot reason for them to be there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like they could have been setting up. Oh, city, that oh, city at war. They they were setting up something. Something because big. because Karai literally name drops someone from your past. Yeah, you know, which is kind of ham fisted and yeah. whatever. But I would have loved to have seen a sequel. I, I think we were supposed to get two more films. I think that would have been cool. Yeah, it would have been amazing. Um, Same people, mm-hmm. everything. Imagey shut down. I believe they did. Yeah, um, didn't they make Speed Racer? Was it Speed Racer? No, I think it was. Um, they were going to make Gotcha Man or Battle for the Planets, which is another mm-hmm. ninja thing. Astro Boy. Yeah, that was... That's the one. That was a huge flop. Yeah. They made Astro Boy and then shut down, but their work on this film is wonderful. Oh, it really is. I but mean, it, it like it, 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 it has... If, you're, if your first film is this, mm-hmm. that's a good... 
you know, it's, it was uh, it wasn't their first film. It was their their biggest film. Yeah, yeah. I like the feel of New York City. It felt like Gotham. It's very Mirage. Yes, yes. It was very very Mirage, and the lighting. I like to talk about the cinematography in this. Mm-hmm. The lighting is just on point. Yep. Yep. And in elements, you almost it almost looks black and white in some scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, Just because the colors are so washed out, and it's so yeah. on purpose. Yeah, you know. Um, let's go ahead and talk about one of the greatest things that ever happened in a Ninja Turtles property. Yes, get this out of the way. Yeah, I think I know where you're going. So, Raphael gets real angry at Leonardo. Because that's what he does right. once Leonardo returns from Costa Rica. Yeah. Raphael leaves the house. Leo tracks down the Night Watcher because he's like, we got to stop this vigilante guy. Mm-hmm. And he chases him through New York City. There's a whole fight scene where apparently Leonardo doesn't know that Raphael is the Night Watcher, even though the Night Watcher has three fingers mm-hmm. on each hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's up on top of a roof because Raph is dealing with the Jersey Devil in the cafe. Yeah. Immediately after that scene, though, we're we are we are fed a brilliant scene where Raphael and Leonardo fight mm-hmm. like a serious knockdown drag out brother fight basically over the leadership of the team mm-hmm. you know you weren't here we had to do whatever we wanted you know we, we had to lead ourselves while you were gone mm-hmm. why were you gone so long i'm back now I'm the leader. You're going to listen to me. You were gone so long. I don't have to now. Like it was oh, yeah. legit. Just, just beef. And it, it, it's beautifully shot on a roof with a neon sign in the background mm-hmm. that is illuminating everything in this red hue. And did I mention it was raining? Like it's, it's yeah, raining it, it through it that whole scene. At, yeah. At it, some point. Yeah. yeah. It starts raining during the scene. Water is dripping off their faces. There's gratuitous close-ups of the, the, both turtles' masks. Like the cinematography of this scene and the execution of a sword side battle mm-hmm. between two emotional brothers who have a history of doing this is this movie's greatest gift yes. to all of us. Yeah, like I. I Every time someone talks about Ninja Turtles movies, my go-to is watch TMNT. You don't even have to watch the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> watch until the end of Act Two. Mm-hmm. The 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 end of Act Two where Leo and Raph fight. If you aren't into that, just turn it off and go watch Transformers or something because you yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. There's so much emotion. And you can tell that Raph does resent Leo for leaving. Yes. Um, and he, he just all that anger has built up for however long he's been gone. It, I'm assuming a couple of years. Uh, in the book, in the book, I think uh, it was uh, suggested to who's gone a year. Yeah, that's a long time for at least to yeah. be without somebody who you who you've been with your entire life. Yeah, and who is also supposed to be the leader. Yeah, you know. So that if he's if he's not there, then who's leading? Someone has to step forward, and it was obvious no one did. Yeah, that's why they're living the lives they're living. Yeah, and I I really enjoyed seeing this dynamic. It being more centered on family, um, which I don't think 
you know, apart from the first film, you don't really get to see. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it, you definitely can tell that, you know, the filmmakers and people involved just, Hey, we want to tell a very personal story. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, amongst all the crazy, you know, monsters and all this other stuff, there's, <laughs> there's a core, you know, it is about a family. Yeah. And it's really nice to see that. Um, yeah. 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 Like the, uh, the, the build up to the, the moment that Raph breaks, uh, Leonardo's sword or uh, it katana a, it's intense is intense. Yeah. And then that final shot where Raph comes down with his sigh and you see the look on his face. It's like, I was going to kill that guy. Like you could see without mm-hmm. saying a single word, you could tell that he, what was going through his mind was I was going to kill you. Yeah. The emotion conveyed through the facial, um, you yeah, know, features through animation is just breathtaking. Like, yeah, it was really, really well done. He then immediately turns and just runs, and you can feel the emotion of him running away from his brother, ashamed that he had let himself get to that point. Yeah, and that leads directly into Act, you know, Act Three, and that is Leonardo gets captured as one of the monsters, and boom, big climactic ending. Like they, they roll directly into the ending after. Uh, Raphael comes back and talks to to uh, Splinter and has one of those just w- one of the many memorable Raph Splinter moments because there's been a few in the comics and, and, and in uh, television shows. It was a lot of very familiar Ninja Turtles tropes, mm-hmm. probably executed better than we've ever seen before. Yes, yes, I think. Laird was an executive producer. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. I guarantee you everything they did in this movie, he had to approve. Guarantee it. Um, he wouldn't have allowed the movie to happen any other way. Yeah. Let's talk about the plot hole. There's a big plot hole that bothers the crap out of me mm-hmm. every time I watch it, and it involves the Jersey Devil. Okay. Okay. But there's a, there's a couple of scenes where they refer to there being one monster left. Mm-hmm. We then see that that 13th monster is the Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. And then two scenes later, or five scenes later, when they're going for the climactic battle and they have to go get the 13th monster, and it's not the Jersey Devil. Yeah. That tells me that something went awry. Yeah. Not Karai, went awry uh, in the editing room. Womp womp. Yeah. And ever since I noticed that, eight years ago or however long it's been. It's bothered me. That's a lot of other people's beef. Yeah. With that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's inconsistent, but it's yeah. again, kids movie. I'm thinking hard, thinking way too hard about it. Yeah. But, but that's, that bugs me. I do yeah. like the Jersey devil. Yeah. Mind you. Um, the music in this movie was on, uh, was just, that's in my notes, Jeff. Fantastic. <laughs> I own I the soundtrack. It. Yeah, I do yeah, too. The soundtrack is really good. Yeah, it's it's really of the time, but so were the soundtracks mm-hmm. of the previous movies. Yeah, it's 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 a really good soundtrack that fits mm-hmm. the movie they were making. Oh, most definitely, especially when they uh, they fight the hordes of Foot Clan. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, just I love that. <laughs> Getting to see all the Foot Clan mm-hmm. on the screen, I was just like, oh, that's that's nice. Yep. We haven't seen it on that mass scale. Yeah, and I, I yeah. love the designs of Karai and and the foot mm-hmm. uh, in this. Um, but yeah, that 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 nice that nice scene, of course. And then you know, seeing April and Casey 
and you know rocking some awesome new attire her and some kind of ninja female ninja konoich <laughs> outfit and, you, uh, you check back to the previous couple episodes to yeah. to see how i feel about that but yeah you know it was fine yeah I, I liked seeing her kick, kick some butt yeah and uh casey to them you know being a, very much a power couple yeah you know in in this movie she had to be ninja april to to make sure that she wasn't a liability in the last scene mm-hmm. i still like seeing her kick butt though <laughs> okay when this movie came out in my eyes because i was so i, I had such a romantic view of everything ninja turtles this movie could do no wrong there were no bad scenes. There were no bad themes. There was, nothing was wrong with this movie. Mm-hmm. And as it is aged, I still don't think anything is wrong with the movie. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there are elements where there are missed opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, My second beef. <laughs> what? You know what that beef is. No, I don't. What is your second beef? Not getting to see Mikey hit anything with nunchucks. Oh, oh I don't well. care. That drives, oh, well. me, drives me nuts. Oh, well, that's whatever. Yeah. See, I don't get bogged down with that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get, I get, Mikey gets redemption later in the uh, the Nickelodeon CGI series. Yeah. Full, full tilt uh, yeah. with that. Oh, yeah. Full full circle. I'm sorry. That full tilt. No, never mind. Uh, <laughs> and like, well, overall, like Mikey and Donatello are barely in this movie. Yeah, you know, it's it's very much a Raphael Leonardo story, mm-hmm. and and that's because that's an easy that, that's the easier to- story to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the Michelangelo and Donatello characters. We talked about this with with Sophie Campbell. Like mm-hmm. they're more utilitarian. Right. Again, missed opportunity to really flesh out those two characters. It's something they might have been able to done and might have been able to do in a second movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, there's no callbacks. Like, there's really no outside of again the the trophy room with all the different helmets. Like, there's thirteen monsters, right? Mm-hmm. How many mutants exist in turtle lore? Mm-hmm that they could have just shoehorned in as, oh, oh, look, that monster looks like Worm. Right. That monster looks like Muck Man. Oh, man, that monster, he looks like Mutagen Man. You know, like, if you're going to have generic monsters and you already are sitting on a treasure trove of literal monsters, Mm -hmm. the very least you can do is do some callbacks, especially in a movie universe where none of those characters are ever going to be actually introduced. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one, selling new toys. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, or just doing new characters. And, of course, you know, Peter Laird not caring for, you know, any of the 87 stuff probably past the pilot. I'm, yeah. And yeah. I'm sure that, I'm sure that the really. season, I mean. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sure that had a heavy influence in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Peter Laird was all over this movie. But, it's so ripe for it. If the, if this movie was made today, mm-hmm. that absolutely would happen. Oh yeah, there would be callbacks. There would be references to stuff, and we just didn't really get any of that. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much. Those are really my only complaints. Uh, the, the story is a little too enclosed for my liking mm-hmm. for a movie that is supposed to be the fourth movie. Right. 
the Max Winters character storyline wraps up like a bow, you know. Mm-hmm. All the, the generals are gone, he's gone, all the monsters are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, any evidence of what happened is just rubble, you know. But other than that, there are no further consequences. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 only a fan this deeply entrenched in Ninja yeah. Turtles yeah. would find these things wrong with it. Yeah. You know. And I think that I guess that's just a me thing again. It yeah, that's definitely just a you thing. It's because <laughs> I'm complaining about things that aren't a problem. I'm just complaining because it's not what I wanted, right. or in retrospect. I'm just upset that it wasn't different, yeah. which is stupid. Yeah. It's just dumb. It's dumb. Just ignore me. Ignore me. The movie's great. You should watch it. Yeah. And we get a, yeah. a, a great, beautiful shot, uh, many shots of the lair. Oh, yes. Pristine. Yeah. Secret entrance. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really just beautiful shot of the lair. Um, there's a lot to really, really enjoy with this film. Not really any legitimate complaints outside of the plot hole. Yeah. I had a few little beefs. Um, there was a deleted scene that I rather enjoyed. Uh, Mikey gets a lot of birthday cake. Okay. From working these. And then in one of the scenes you see oh, him yeah. pulling out, yeah. he, he gives Splinter some cake. And Donnie's like, no, 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 no. You need to watch, you know. Your cholesterol or whatever, and mm-hmm. you, you know, just like just sneak it anyway, you know. <laughs> I, I love that because he loves birthday cake. It's just, oh, those, it's those little touches. I don't know. I th- this whole the whole team and T cycle from beginning to end, trailer to release to watching it to you know this week and having a weird nostalgia for a movie that's only twelve years old. Yeah. Is that that all of that is a, was a fun process? Yeah. I and I wish we had more Ninja Turtles movies to do that with. Yeah, because what, what we're looking at this is the this is the fourth movie, the last good one. I take that back. No, the sixth one is fine, um, but the last one that I'm going to have significant nostalgia mm-hmm. for. Yeah, you know the, everything after this. It's just it's probably going to be Hollywood stuff instead of a fan that's passionate about. Mm. the property possibly maybe half and half i mean we don't know yeah there's still i'm looking i'm looking more of a like a personal level okay yeah yeah like where are they going to retell the origin all over again (laughs) i don't need that when when i watched this movie there was a there was a like a rose tinted glass glasses oh okay so how pretty much how i wear my glasses all the time yeah yeah and when i watched those two new movies the, the like that rose tent was gone. Oh yeah, it was. It, it was very much. I'm going to critique this. I'm going to poop on what I need to poop on. You know, it. it he and, got poop hooey. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know if I'll ever be able to watch another Ninja Turtles movie without that. You know, even when we sat down and watched me and you watched Batman, yeah. it wasn't just this this glossy eyed oh it's so amazing it was that was me <laughs> it was this is cool this is cool that's really cool that was garbage yeah. all of these other things are really cool but it like it's just very much a transactional like do i like this movie do i not like this movie and maybe that's just us getting and by us i mean me getting older i'm not able to just shut off and enjoy it for what it is yeah. anymore that's 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 very sad yeah 
because we talked about this too. Like I'm able to do that. Like I'm not. Have, I'm not. Yeah. And, and I, this yeah. is the TMNT is the last Turtles movie I could do that before with is just mm-hmm. sit back and let it wash over me and have me bask in all the ninja. You know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm old, Jeff. Yeah. I'm old. I'm old. I'm grisly and angry. Grisly. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Team and T, Jeff? I really, really wish that we could get Kevin Monroe back to do some more stuff. Um, because he, he just nailed it. Like, mm-hmm. I think them going the route of CGI was better in mm-hmm. this regard because they could do so much more. Um, and of course getting, you know, doing this in a live action would probably not have worked and would have been way more expensive. It would have been more expensive. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have worked. There's a way to, there's a way to do it. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't have Patrick Stewart playing Max winter. I don't think, I don't know. I mean, if they can, you get- probably have like Michael Fassbender or somebody, you know, yeah, if they could get freaking um, Ian McKellen in a freaking muscle suit for X-Men, they could do that. <laughs> Patrick freaking Stewart. <laughs> I mean. Touche. Touche. You know. You know um, but, you know, I'm I'm sad that we won't, you know, get to see more because it didn't do horrible at the box office just warner brothers didn't do crap to promote this movie because i don't remember seeing barely any mm, i disagree there was a full product line yeah. like there was there was there was a full like they went through the entire cycle through you know a warner brothers kids movie would have i think it was like three months before the freaking movie came out then we started seeing stuff they should have been doing it like way earlier than that oh. but, but i, I mean, looking at the budget of the film you yeah. know they, 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 it was a success let's just yeah. put it put it like that sequels were planned yeah. you know scripts were probably written for follow-ups treatments were probably turned in or you know part of the uh the whole bible you know whole, yeah you know. yeah production bible. like yeah. you have to remember this movie came out in 07 by 09 Peter Laird didn't even own the property anymore. Yeah. That, so that immediately puts the kibosh on anything that Warner brothers was working on. Yeah. Cause they were supposed to be working on something pretty big. Yeah. I mean, we got nothing. Well, no, we got stuff. It was just all Nickelodeon stuff. Well, Nick stuff's fine, <laughs> but <laughs> not the other stuff. The poo pooey. <laughs> but overall, like yeah, I, I I definitely probably have watched this movie you know, almost as much as the first film. I adore this movie yeah. so much, and it's such an oddball, like out of nowhere, mm-hmm. everything is unique to it. Release that it's it's I I love this 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 silly little movie. I do want to say that I did pause the uh, trophy scene. Okay. And some stuff that I noticed. And okay, then let's close out on that. Uh, what did you notice? The trophy room, of course. You right away you see Shredder's helmet. Right, right. Presumably um, from the first movie. I noticed the samurai helmet from Turtles Three. That's with correct. The honor guard mask to the right of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you it, you have to wait for the camera to pull back on the far left by Splinter, it looks like it is Shredder's blade that's uh-huh. on his arm. Yeah, like his gauntlet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you see the ooze canister. Yep. Uh, you see the time scepter. Yep. S- somehow. I 
thought it was destroyed, but that's okay. Um, was it fried? I don't remember if it was fried. No, it would still be there. Yeah. It may just, it like, I'm sure they might have just cleaned it and put it on a shelf, but it would yeah. still be there. It's not like the, the Time Scepter is one thing that doesn't disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got a foot soldier mask on the right side. Yep. Um, it looked like the Damio's armor from Turtles 3 was in there. That sounds right. The far right. And, uh, uh, probably the, one of the most oddball pieces at the very bottom were mouser parts. That's even, that is weird. Yeah. Then, then that's, that's suggesting that the entire Baxter story happened mm-hmm. off, off camera. Cause I definitely, cause you know, there's like a weird, not like a tentacle looking thing to the left of it. Then you look to the right and I'm like, that's a mouser foot. I know that foot. Yeah. Um, and then there's some other little pieces in there that I can't figure out what the, flip they are <laughs> um and then there's like a shield somewhere i'm not sure where the shield's from um but those are the big you know the big ones so yeah yeah again i adore this movie oh, yeah and I, definitely one of my top you should, someone should pe- more people should watch this movie yeah it's kind of forgotten yeah just uh, like people should give uh turtles three another chance yeah yeah Yes, all of the all of the unnecessary attention that Secret of the Ooze gets should go should go to Turtles Three and Turtles Four. I knew that was coming. There was <laughs> something in there. Something in there. It's okay. I enjoy all four films. Just wait till we get to the end of all these films and I ask you to rank them. Ooh. It's gonna happen. It is gonna it's happen. happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna Well Jeff, where can we find you? As always, Sergio, you can find me at the Krogers. Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> As always, Sergio, you can find me at the Warp Zone Arcade, um, Brandon, Mississippi's uh, premier arcade. Um, We host birthday parties. We do tournaments like Smash Brothers. Uh, We've got retro games. We've got new games, all kinds of stuff. We've got tons of uh, new Neo Geo games in our arcade cabinet, like King of Fighters 98, King of Fighters 97, 2000, Robot Fiddle Fury Special, and our probably top most played game, on the cabinet is Garou Mark of the Wolves, the final Fiddle Fury game, which is the probably the best game in that. And when you say series. cabinet, you mean the like legit cabinet, legit not like not arcade. like this this bootleg thrown together like nope. ROM cabinet. We're talking like have to dust off the cards and shove them into a slot cabinet. Yep, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been playing it too hard lately, so I've had to order some more uh, micro switches for the connectors. I'm like, all right, my fireball's not connected. I'm like, oh wait, what? And I tried it. I'm like, oh, snap. There is, there's, I've got to get new pieces. There's nothing more retro than the last sentence you just said. Yep. Check out the Warp Zone. That, cool, that place is cool. Please do. Um, let's see. Where can we find you, Sergio? Realitybreached.com uh, or any of our social media like outlets. December was a huge month for Reality Breach. We had episodes out the wazoo. Uh, we had a very long and controversial episode about Star Wars mm-hmm. that ended up being cathartic for multiple people. So <laughs> you should probably check that one out. Uh, it's very, very long. I didn't cut much out. Yeah. Usually I go in and slice out large chunks of stuff, but this one I was just like, let it roll. Right. Two and a half hours of wow. Kylo Ren talk. Mm. So it was it, that, that was really fun to put together. Mm. And we have some some stuff planned for this year. I haven't really hammered anything out there. Uh, we just did an interview with uh, Relativity po- Podcasts uh, creator, writer, host, and he, he it's it's a, it's a scripted sci fi 
like serial. Oh yeah, you were telling me about yeah, that. That yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, awesome, it's a yeah. really really cool show, and the the interview went really well. Uh, Lee Shackelford is a fascinating dude. He like helped write for Star Trek at one point. Like it's, it's cool. So check that out. Otherwise, that'll do it for this episode, Jeff. What, yeah. are, we, what are we talking about next time? Ooh, next time, Jeff. We dip back into the '80s television show, uh, and we cover the second part of season three, which will be episodes 17 through 31. Another huge chunk. Which I get started now. Yeah, get started now. Uh, Those are available on Vudu to purchase now. They're all on sale. You can get them for seven bucks a season. Yeah, and also, folks, the entire collection of the '80s cartoon is thirty dollars, like thirty, forty dollars on DVD. On DVD. But if you don't want to switch out the discs yeah. and just want to stream them from the cloud, Voodoo has every season for seven bucks, which is weird because some seasons are like six episodes and some are 47 episodes. There's not really a price difference. Yeah. I don't know. That's weird. But but if you like legit owning your stuff. <laughs> Stop it, Jeff. <laughs> to where them Voodoos can't take it away from you. Go buy that physical media, folks. Well, just keep in mind that I already own all of these. I know on you do. VHS on DVD, yeah. and now I'm buying them again on on Vudu. Well, so hey. yeah, just hear Nickelodeon take all my money. Yeah. Tune in next time. I'm Jeff. That is Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> and we're shellheads. Don't miss an episode of the Shellheads podcast. Visit realitybreach.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts.